The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. How's everybody? It's warm, it's spring outside, no snow. Thank the Lord for that. Uh, my name is Frank Robinson. I'm here with my wonderful wife who will speak for herself, uh, Carolyn. And of course, uh, you heard Sam, our, our daughter is here. And it's always a good thing as a dad to get to embarrass your daughter uh, every <laughs> once in a while. So um, we um, want to talk, I think we wanted to frame this talk, um, God, Shalom, and Community. God, Shalom, and Community. And as um, Dean pointed out, we wanted to kind of talk about um, God in the context of our work and the context of the community that has um, done a lot for us and supported us. And so uh, that's kind of where we are. And to frame our topic, um, we wanted to look at two scriptures, um, scriptures that you are familiar with. Um, the first one coming from uh, the book of Micah 6 and 8, is has he told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? And we wanted to marry that with another familiar passage uh, that is in Jeremiah 29 and 7 that says, Seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in his peace you shall have peace. And one of my professors always talked about um, context uh, helps determine content. And so just to give us context of where we're going with this, I wanted to pick up on three fra phrases. First being peace, which trans when translated really talks about shalom. Um, shalom meaning the wholeness, the prosperity, the wellness of, this, of the place uh, that God is calling you to do. The second is city. And although we do work and do a lot of things in Philadelphia, um, in the context of where you're going, city really is the community that God called you to. So that could be an urban context, that could be a uh, suburban context, that could be a mission field in the, in, around the world. And God calls us each to a context, um, a city of sorts, somewhere that we all to do ministry. So no matter where God calls you to or calls us to, uh, wherever we're placed, we are to do ministry right then and there. And the third thing I wanted to do is about this fighting shalom. We're in this world where it was so divisive, aren't we? Everything um, has been turned us upside down. And my niece, LaShawn, always talks about hey, I want to do me. And that's kind of the attitude we have nowadays, that we are so introspective and it's all about us. But this scripture, both these scriptures, calls us to do things in the context of community. And so you would never, ever find your wholeness until you're working within the community that God calls you to do, to seek the peace and shalom of the city. So in that, I wanted to talk about Shalom as Justice. This picture is special to both of us. Um, this is a project 
called John, the John Bon Jovi Homes uh, after the singer. Um, and we worked both on it together. I was at one nonprofit, she was at another. And while we were doing this project, um, I was literally seeing a community uh, that when I got there, you could buy a home for fifteen dollars to $30,000. Those homes were going for, as we were building this, for about three hundred dollars to 500000 And now if you walk in this community, there are homes that are almost uh, worth a million dollars within a 10-year 10 10 year span. And what happens is that the people who were literally holding down that area, the people who were there, were now being kind of forced out. And so what we did was um, the nonprofits we worked in helped form 55 um, housing, affordable housing units, some office spaces, and some affordable uh, retail spaces so people uh, who had businesses can come there to make sure that people who once lived in that neighborhood could stay in that neighborhood. And that's what kind of justice was about. And that's kind of what um, Cairo's development, uh, my group, and just a little bit of background about what we do. Uh, we started Kairos as a community, a community effort. So Carolyn, myself, um, Krista, my partner, and some other people, we are praying about what kind of work we could do um, in the city, uh, talk about economic development and what it means to have equitable economic development. Oftentimes when development comes into an area, talking about place and space, uh, usually you hear the word gentrification. And people who were once in a place, once it gets rebuilt, are really kind of kicked out of where they are. And what we wanted to do was talk about how can we do it where people can come in who may want something more uh, uh, upscale, but still have things in the community that's affordable uh, for people who have been in those communities for years. And so that's kind of what um, my business does and thinking about things through social impact, thinking about things through um, Christ, Christ-centered um, lens. Kairos um, is Greek for opportune time. And so we saw this as an opportune time to do justice in the city. And I wanted to let my wife talk about her work. All right, so I'm at Project Home and Frank has charged me with a little bit of talking about Shalom is justice. Um, so I'm gonna take us back to Micah 6, 8 for a second. I think about the balance of justice with mercy when I think about Micah 6, 8. The kind of justice we should be envisioning here is not the kind that rules over people or controls them, squashing them, or for example, something that my organization works on, is keeping people out of the prison systems for inordinate amounts of times for nonviolent crimes. That's another thing that is something that we see a lot in the city and really harms people in terms of their future abilities to get housing and employment and that kind of thing. This kind of justice is the kind that brings people back together, that reconciles in situations that by our sinful actions or actions of those around us has divided us and put wedges between us. Justice is corrective, but in the spirit of renewing and reviving and getting towards people, relationships, families, communities becoming whole. Now we know this side of heaven, we are not going to be without sin, thus we're not going to be fully whole, but it's a fulfilling life mission to keep your eye on the prize and help people get as close as they can with God, community, and families. 
It's the concept that as people fall, they get back up again every time, and every time are restored back to community. So housing, H-O-M-E in this stands for four different things. Housing is the H, opportunities for employment is the O, M is medical care, and E is education. And in each one of those areas, Project Home, which has been around for the last 30 years, of which I've been there for 17 years, um, does work in each of these areas. So then under housing, uh, we do the outreach for the city of Philadelphia. We see about 12,000 people a year, unduplicated people um, on the streets um, and in shelters and in um, abandoned houses, living in cars, that kind of thing. Um, we brought in about 3,000 people last year in 2018 into housing. Um, we have approximately 1,000 units of housing right now in 18 buildings. We're building about one building a year um, for homeless and formerly homeless people. Um, the O for opportunities uh, for employment, this is where we have employment specialists, um, job developers, job coaches that are all working with people that are hard to employ and keep employment. Um, and last year, we placed about 250 people into employment, and uh, we're able to have 68 people working in social enterprises through Project Home. Uh, the medical is, um, we have a federally qualified health center called Stephen Klein Wellness Center in the heart of North Central Philadelphia. And um, there, over, last year, we served, uh, had over 5,500 medical visits. Um, we also have a dental clinic there and behavioral health. Um, and it's a hub, like a community hub there. There's a YMCA in the same building. It's a wonderful place. Um, we also opened up in 20, um, let's see, I'm getting my ears confused, 2017, uh, the Hub of Hope, which is underneath City Hall. It's in the subway system, and it's another place for people that are chronically on the streets, that have been on the streets for over a year, to be able to get medical services, see a psychologist, um, get linked to housing, um, even take showers, have their own lockers, like you name it. There's something there called the living room where um, people that have been coming there a long time are able then to serve other people that are just getting there. They see over 600 people a day. And uh, last year, uh, let's see, 2018, um, they, they saw over 14,000 people in the Hub of Hope, but that, that's duplicated people. Um, and then under education, we have a community partnership school, which is a private school in the heart of North Central Philadelphia. It serves two specific zip codes in which the people that live there are, um, come from the highest poverty rates in that community of the whole city. The most homelessness back in the 80s and 90s came out of that neighborhood. So it's a targeted neighborhood. Uh, it's a private school, so it costs tuition, but we raise the tuition for every child that goes there. Currently, there's 220 children, kindergarten through eighth grade, that go there. Uh, we also have over 800 people in our um, adult education programs, workforce development, in the same uh, building called Hanukkah Learning Center and Comcast Technology Labs. And then uh, we have over 220 um, people that are in our college access program, uh, 85 of which are currently in college. Uh, and we have flipped the percentage rates now for this neighborhood from, uh, for the people that we serve um, to 85% of people going on to college 
uh, and um, 96% graduating from high school. If you know the city, like, these are really, really big numbers. Okay, so just giving you the background there, going on to who we are. So the mission of Project Home is to empower adults, children, and families to break the cycle of homelessness and poverty, to alleviate the underlying causes of poverty, and to enable us all to attain our fullest potential as individuals and members of the broader society. We strive to create a safe and respectful environment where we can support each other in our struggles for self-esteem, recovery, and the confidence to move towards self-actualization. So we do this, we have an inspiration meeting. It's kind of like a chapel. Every Tuesday morning, we start our day, both residents and staff, and we take turns reciting different parts of this mission. And somebody gets up and tells a story. And then at the end, we talk about, and, and then either our CEO, Sister Mary Scullion, or one of the senior management team that I'm on, gets up and tells an inspirational message to like guide the rest of our week. Um, and in this, at the end, we close with our motto, which is, none of us are home until all of us are home. And that just keeps us guiding in our vision and keeps us striving towards making sure that we are continuing to build this housing, continuing to serve people on the street in the same way, day in and day out. Um, so we covered homelessness in Philadelphia. Some of these numbers are from 2017, I have to admit. So uh, the one at the bottom, 650 people living on the streets. Um, this past year, that was up to 900 people living on the streets, 300 whom are still in Center City, but now the largest amount of homeless people on the streets are in Kensington, and that's largely because of the opioid epidemic. So we'll move forward here. These are the last four unit, uh, buildings that we built. Um, like I said, about one a year. This last year, we built two. Uh, the one at the bottom left is the one that we just opened uh, most recently. And that's Gloria Casares residence. It's the first in excuse me, in Pennsylvania of um, young adults who have come out of homelessness, many of whom have aged out of foster care, many of whom have been trafficked, many of whom have um, aged out of foster care into homelessness, been in shelters, that kind of thing. Um, so we just finished leasing that up, and that's largely based on uh, people are all employed, all have employment specialists, all are you know, picking and trying out career tracks and are um, going to college or some type of education, furthering their education. Uh, we also gap scholarship anybody to make sure that they don't have to take out any loans because as somebody who doesn't have parents who comes out of poverty and homelessness, we don't want them leaving college and university having a big loan bill to then pay at the end. Um, so that's the lower right. The top left is Francis House of Peace. Uh, came, uh, this came about when Fran uh, Pope Francis was here, so it's named after him. Um, but this is a 10-story building in Chinatown, 94 units. Uh, it's, it's a unique, uh, unique building because it's Asian seniors that are coming out of poverty along with homeless young adults and uh, chronic homeless substance users and serious mental illness, people who have serious mental illness. Um, so it's a really unique you know, building and community. We say community, community means, we often use it synonymously with the building or um, the larger project home community. The one on the top right was built in 2017 and that um, is Ruth Williams House at the Gina Marlene Epstein Building. It's another 88 units and that's in the heart of North Philadelphia again, in the heart of the opioid epidemic area. So I want to take you just to the, the, that real quickly, the opioid epidemic. 
Um, so we're in the midst of the worst opioid epidemic in the history of our nation. The majority of people we serve at Project Home are in recovery. Recovery, we believe, is a journey, not a destination. There's ups and downs with relapses along the way, but all along the way there's restoration if people are willing to make amends. A person's relapse doesn't make us stop loving you. You're still part of the community and still will be restored back to the community. One of the principles we talk about at Project Home frequently is loving our neighbors and what that looks like for people who have lived on the streets. I've known many people that have lived up to 16 years on the streets, no joke. Most of our residents haven't ever had an apartment before or a lease or ever lived in a community that expected them to practice loving their neighbors. It's a new concept. The young adults at Project Home, we already talked about their history. So this is all very new, and as you can imagine, we spend a lot of time conceptualizing with residents how they want to live out loving their neighbors. It's empowering for the first time in their lives. People are asking them to think about how to make their community around them better. They have ongoing input and are able to follow through and make things happen. There's a lot of uh, our residents that are leading groups and activities. They advocate for other people in poverty at city, state, and federal levels. Um, they're really living out justice, coupling with loving mercy and kindness, which leads to restorative communities, communities of healing. In many ways, we're in the business of housing the people that are hardest to stay housed. In order to do this in a real way that doesn't have hurt people hurting people, the best way is to live out Micah 6-8, coupling justice and mercy, restoring people to their communities. So I'm going to go on for a quick minute here to Shalom is Love, and this is a blurry vision of a few of our residents that have come in to our young adult program. So I just want to go back to Jeremiah 29-7. Seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive, and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. The prophet Jeremiah paints a picture of peace as wholeness while coming out of our context. The Israelites are in exile here. They had come out of their comfort zones. When you are in a situation like that, when you find yourself homeless in a strange place with strange people where you don't recognize most and people are not inviting you there, not wanting you there, how do you overcome? How do you not succumb to the hostility around you often directed towards you? And then on top of it, Jeremiah is commanding us to seek peace, wholeness, shalom of the city. How deep is that? To become the one that is ministering to those around you in their home, in your strange place, where they aren't in your corner. In order to have peace, the kind of peace that Jeremiah shares here that comes from God, the only way to get there is through prayer. Prayer as a key to sustain and not to grow weary. Prayer as the key to continuing to have joy. Prayer as the key to sustaining and not burning out. At Project Home, nearly 100% of our residents are people living on the streets who have lived lives full of trauma. Basic decisions create anxiety where to lay their head at night, where to find their next meal, how not to be taken advantage of by people they come into contact with. This is what their days are filled with, day after day. It's relationships that bring people in off the street into housing. It's when a dedicated outreach worker is able to break through the wall of mistrust and other barriers that come from years of experience of trauma and survival living. 
that people are then able to come into housing and are able to be restored enough to truly call their place home and eventually use the language of community and loving their neighbors. You see, the answer is not just housing. It's also the power of we. It's the power of love, the power of God to transform lives. God heals, but it takes sacrifice of those he uses in the healing process. It takes the willingness of us to come outside our comfort zones, and it takes serious commitment. It takes radically different thoughts about how to do things differently than the world teaches us. I'm going to turn it back over to Frank. Oops. So as we close, before I go into this, I want to show this picture. This was our wedding night, um, and uh, after we partied, um, at the end of the night, um, someone said, hey, let's take a picture with everybody who's ever lived with Frank or Carolyn in the community house that they, houses that they have. And this was the picture, and this is just a small representation. And so community is big for us. Um, it always has been, always will be. And what we want to do is talk about when we walk, when we walk with God, we're not just walking solo. Um, we're not just walking by ourselves. Although there are times where we are called to maybe walk um, for a short time, but most of the time when God calls us to walk, we walk in community. And so just wanted to iterate a couple of things as we close. Uh, first, Carolyn talked a lot about prayer and prayer and worship. And I was, re I was uh, resonating with the young man who said I had a hard week. Um, I did too. And a lot of times when I look back, um, I can see that my prayer and my worship are out of whack. And so making sure that as busy as you are with exams and school and um, all the things that you have, make sure you find time for prayer and fellowship. Chapel's important. Um, small group fellowship is important, and that's important for us as well. One of the things that when we, we still do is have prayer breakfasts with our friends. And so Saturday morning, sometimes we gather our friends together and we pray and we have breakfasts. And um, also, as Adam he talked about, he's a good friend. And sometimes going to his house on Friday nights so when things are tough, it's just been the best blessing um, that we've ever had. So Prayer and worship is important, along with fellowship and edification. This walk, no matter what you decide to do, is hard, and we have to learn how to build each other up. And sometimes it's your turn to be the one that's encouraged, the encourager, but there are other times where you need to be encouraged. And you need to have people in your life that that edification is happening. Uh, grace for others. Uh, it, you have to have grace for others, as well as allowing yourself to be off the hook. Um, we all make mistakes. We all have sinned and come short. And allow yourself uh, the grace to mess up, but the grace to move on. And knowing that, you know, God uh, is going to supply your needs, and he knows your faults, and he knows um, how, how we are. The one thing I really want to stress is that patterning our thoughts after God. One of the things that concerns uh, me the most is that I think that we lost the ability to think for ourselves. Um, everything has influenced us, whether it's political positions, uh, whether it's social media, um, and whether it's all, all these other things that entrap us. We are taught through the word to think through our, for ourselves, and we should be thinking our thoughts after God and leaning not to our own understanding acknowledging him and let him direct our paths. 
That's so important. And if I can encourage um, the next generation to do anything, it's to learn how to think independently. So when you're faced with things, you can say what God has said and put away what man might have said. And finally, love radically. Um, love does have a cost. Uh, we need to love. And our Savior, uh, when he went to the cross, he loved us radically. He gave up everything for us. Uh, but uh, when we love radically, we make earth look a little bit more like heaven. And so loving your neighbors, uh, loving when it's even hard, uh, making sure that love is always in the mix no matter what you're doing is so important. It's the thing that uh, Jesus taught his disciples and the thing that we should carry and what we should be known by. They, we should be known by our fruits, and our fruits should have love in them. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Lord, whom Lord, it was not robbery to come down off the cross and to die uh, for our sins. And we thank you today, Lord, uh, that we get to live in community and that you use broken vessels, uh, Lord, uh, to change the world. I pray for every student here today. I pray for their exams. But more importantly than grades, I pray that through the process of education, they will be able to use that to know you better and that they would do something to make earth look a little bit more like heaven. Lord, bless them, Lord. Bless all of us who are working and walking um, humbly with you, uh, that we may experience your love, we may experience your faithfulness, we may experience your grace, and that we can do something uh, to, to bring light into what seems like a dark world. Lord, you said that if your name will be lifted up, that you would draw all men and women unto yourself. And so, Lord, we thank you for the ability to serve you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. As you dismissed us from this place, please never dismiss us from your presence. We love you, and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.